0: Hi all. Today I'm starting off a series about researchers who are not just into theory but also into practice. Okay, that's perhaps a little tendentious. Contrary to the popular image of the ivory tower, most researchers, certainly in the energy field, are engaged in some form of practical translations of their findings whether that be in interaction with the direct stakeholders of their research or acting in some advisory fashion on matters of their expertise. So let me rephrase. This new series is about researchers finding new and inventive ways of shortening the distance between theory and practice. Biting the bullet is Abhagyan Singh. If you've been reading the social life of energy for longer, you may remember him from my special issue on community energy. He had written a great piece on the morality of peer-to-peer energy exchanges. In two villages in northern India, one person was given a solar panel, a charger, and a few battery packs. In other words, this person now disposed over energy, free to do with it what she may, to sell it, trade it, or give it away. The results were very interesting. These energy givers navigated both market logics and familial and neighborly relations, negotiating the obligation to give with the interest to engage in commerce. The obligation to give was one of the universal laws of human sociality that anthropologist Marcel Mose discovered some hundred years ago. The other two were the obligation to receive and to reciprocate. Perhaps you'll remember the story. If not, take a look at it again. It was quite neat. The link is in the show notes. Now, the interesting bit for today's episode, the reason that I'm coming back to Abigan, is that it was he himself who introduced the solar charger and the battery packs. The experiment is part of a methodology he calls design anthropology. This is a novel approach for two reasons. Firstly, it's a little different from how research usually takes place, certainly in the energy field. Researchers often monitor someone else's intervention. Now the researcher himself created one. This is itself unusual, although not entirely unique. For instance, Many researchers have been involved in developing prototype apps that attempt to nudge people into prudent or sustainable energy behavior. That brings me to the second novel aspect. abik did not attempt to nudge in any which way. His design intervention was open-ended and hands-off. To understand how and why, kick back your feet and keep listening. In his article, Abhigyan mentioned that his design intervention shouldn't be considered a quote-unquote pilot. That intrigued me, so I asked him about it. His answer speaks directly to this distinction between encouraging or nudging some behavior and his open-ended approach. So, is design anthropology not running your own pilot?
1: The distinction which I try to make in my work about Pilot and intervention is that pilots pilots are oriented towards a particular solution. The solution, uh, as in that a particular group of people acquiring through the pilot a certain behavior, which an outsider agency, government, uh, have already identified as a uh, uh, as a good behavior. So, Uh for instance people using uh, clean energy over a certain other fossil fuel based energy for their energy consumption and a new technology uh, put in a particular space in form of a pilot and the evaluation is on whether people actually acquire that behavior or they are able to use that and to what degree and to what extent mm-hmm. why I make a distinction I don't in my research I do not aim towards that and I use the intervention as a way to study behavior when certain technologies become available in real world so uh-huh. and I think to explain this better maybe I have to briefly tell you about uh, my own PhD and what where does it fit in yeah so totally. I was studying inter household energy exchange of peer-to-peer energy exchange And when I started my PhD, this this was way back in 2013, uh, the idea was that these new forms of technologies, including renewable energy technologies, will be taken up by people. So they will be producing energy within their neighborhood, but they will be also transacting or exchanging energy with each other. Mm. And uh, the issue was that there was... There was lack of real-world context where this could be studied. So a lot of the studies which were writing about this were based on simulations and prediction done by real-world data, by how people consume energy, how much is the local production, and then simulating behavior if households become ener- uh, started energy exchanging with each other. And the, these behaviors were coded into these so-called agents. And there were number of assumptions which were coming from economics. And Mm I wanted to study that if different forms of social relations between people who live uh, together, neighborhoods and villages, um, and different types of values will come into play in these energy transactions or energy exchanges when they start controlling and having a choice whom to give energy and whom not to give energy, because this was not being talked about. Mm -hmm. And in that context, uh, I had to make an intervention so that i could study the phenomena of inter household energy exchanges so in my case intervention is a platform or a structure through which a certain phenomena an emergent phenomena or non-dominant or non-existent phenomena practices and behavior emerges in real world so that it could be ethnographically or anthropologically studied so it's aimed toward a particular solution which is a particular behavior but this is more an infrastructure through which various such practices, performances or, or behaviors could emerge so that one gets a more nuanced understanding of the phenomena which hasn't been studied well before.
0: The key distinctive feature of this methodology then is that it is non-normative. As a result, it also cedes much control over the intervention. This makes it different from the way most designers use the idea of intervention too, which much like a pilot is often geared towards solving a perceived problem. While laudable, they have often been criticized for jumping headlong into a solution before properly understanding the complexity of a problem and its context. As an alternative, therefore, Abegun suggests this anthropological twist on the concept of intervention. He calls this, knowing by intervening by making. But, open-ended or not, this is still an intervention. By introducing this new capability and giving it to one person rather than another, you change something about people's lives. This is not unheard of in the field of research, especially outside of the energy field. Perhaps you have heard of the notion of action research, which is a collaborative effort with research participants aimed directly at defining and addressing a problem and thus generally making life a little better. One of the oldest examples of such research is the rapid rural appraisal. Find the link in the show notes for a description if you're unfamiliar with this term. In fact, Abagian's methodology inherits some of rapid rural appraisals' elements. Now, on the one hand, such action research differs from most pilot-type research, where a third party comes in with some kind of solution, a new piece of technology, a new pattern of behavior, and tries to test the solution in the real world. By contrast, whatever solution action researchers identify comes up in bottom-up consultation with stakeholders. However, it is similar with pilot-type research in that it is aimed at making things better for these stakeholders. You might therefore wonder about the and-then-you-walk-away approach in Abhagyan's take on design anthropology. In any case, I wondered about it, so I asked him about it turns out he wondered about it too
1: yeah, yeah i think that's a that's an important and a good question these ethical issues are a huge part of it and has to be given a great thought so in this case uh, in the context of energy access when i was working uh, these uh, the intervention i made was consisting of small uh, so, solar la- uh, lamps and power banks which people could use for lighting and mobile phone charging these aspects who get access to or who become or in, in, in in my particular field research who became energy giver also acquired social power to say to give energy to somebody and not to give others so it empowers them but it also i eventually realized was also a way to to not to give or or people who were in some way disenfranchised or did not had access to were not given access to so one has to be careful when we intervene we have to reflect and be careful who benefits and who does who does not gets any benefit who gets excluded who gets included so these are important aspects and questions to consider probably in this case the issue was that this is about small energy they already had lighting solutions and even the people who were denied of getting clean energy were able to use alternative uh, lighting solutions Mm -hmm. probably would have been working in context of healthcare these questions will become even more important and so my suggestion is that in in different contexts different ethical questions around intervention will emerge and they have to be properly thought and addressed and one has to be careful in what changes an intervention brings in the social setting.
0: Right, Uh, so there are are maybe some cases in which kind of this open-ended approach to an intervention might not be appropriate.
1: Yeah, or the meaning of intervention may change. So, for instance, if one is studying how uh, caste-based discrimination or racial discrimination in a particular setting, which may be invisible and you want to make an intervention to study that, so maybe the intervention in that context should not aim for making racial discrimination to happen or to emerge probably right. intervention in that case would be a separate uh, of a different kind where uh, people or different stakeholders or different um, citizen group actually gets to talk about it So uh, intervention as a way to create a dialogue within different groups so that you can study. So the meaning of intervention will change based on context Mm -hmm. and what will emerge will vary based on uh, the context you're working.
0: So, so far we've been talking about how the energy field was dominated by pilots. What space is there for more open-ended experimentation? is there research beyond the pilot so
1: i think in terms of energy
0: a sector which is a bit slow
1: moving to changes and this uh, my personal view is that this has to do with how traditionally society for for so many years have been engaging with energy so we get energy from centralized grid and our role uh, is of passive consumers so we use electricity and for our own purpose consume energy and pay back While with renewables things are changing slowly where people are acquiring new roles and having more choices and uh, taking more control of the local energy production, distribution, also consumption and within this people are being forced to rethink but the traditional actors or uh, mainstream or still dominant approach towards it is through centralized grids where the control and the decision making is done by not everyday man but but by people who are running these companies or mm-hmm. are uh, workers there so energy companies are are slightly slow but then there are new actors new forms of uh, energy service providers which are emerging which are actually trying to get into even big DSOs here I'm engaging with them and some of my graduation students are working with them for instance with Staten I've been in touch with people from NXs who are more open to these ideas because they also are trying to see uh, with these changes and shifts of energy transition what new forms they have to acquire, what new things they have to enable. So they are becoming more open to these ideas, more bottom-up approaches where some prototypes interventions are put in place to understand and giving them different types of uh, ideas about new energy services which people will acquire. But this is not mainstream. But within these larger companies, there are people who are interested in this. On the other hand, tech industry, like ICT, they have been fairly open and they have been engaging with anthropologists and designers together to create solutions and also to understand what new solutions have to be made. Uh, There are a number of design consultants who also are doing that. So one irony I see is that in academic settings, uh, design departments in academia, for instance, speaking of Netherlands, they are not engaging with anthropologists and they are not catering to this labor market which already exists and similarly anthropology departments in different universities in netherlands they are also not engaging with design to cater to this market while the market and the labor market already exists and these uh, companies are hiring anthropologists and designers to come together and a lot of uh, they become design anthropologists While working in in industry and uh, academia is not able to that profile and, and that kind of collaboration at the institutional level hasn't happened yet.
0: All right, so we have two calls to action for the energy sector to start employing designers and anthropologists and for universities to start preparing their students for the kinds of methodological and ethical questions these new roles will bring up. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this talk with Abigyan as much as I did. Please join me in thanking him.
1: Thank you, yeah.